Brian McClanahan Show, episode 239. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. If you don't want to find all those social media sites on your own, just go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. You'll find all of my social media buttons at the top of the page. Click on those, take you right to those accounts. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can also support the Brian McClanahan Show while you're there. You can go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies or bucks or whatever you got my way. Help keep these lights on if you're watching on YouTube. Help keep the podcast going. You can also support the Brian McClanahan Show. The best way to support the Brian McClanahan Show is going to mcclanahanacademy.com where it's always free to enroll. You get a free course when you do that. 10 Myths of American History. And, of course, you can purchase one of my six classes there. That's a great way to support the show because you're supporting McClanahan Academy, which by default supports the show, and also you get something out of it, right? So you get a course out of it. So uh, go out and purchase one of those courses. I've got uh, great stuff there. I mean, these really are high-quality, college-level courses. Um, And I've got more coming. So if you are a McClanahan Academy subscriber, then, of course, you do get the best deals on forthcoming courses when they're released. You can also make a few bucks on me. Just become become an affiliate of McClanahan Academy. You sell the courses. You make some dough. I make some dough. It's a great win-win situation for both of us. So all that information is available at McClanahanAcademy.com. You can also support the show by going to LearnTrueHistory.com. LearnTrueHistory.com. That is my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, where I also teach with Tom and Kevin Goodsman, Brad Berzer, Jason Jewell, Bob Murphy, a whole lot of great instructors. So it's not just history, it's also economics, philosophy, a lot of great stuff there, a lot of bang for your buck. And of course, it is highly worth your time to get it. And you can always get my Brian McClanahan Show logo on your apparel or gear, things that I have for sale with that. Just go to that brianmcclanahan.com, click on the tab that says Shop. It'll take you out to my store that has all that stuff in it. So get your Brian McClanahan Show gear as well. All right, all that said, let's talk about the topic of the day, which is going to be communism. And it's not something I normally do, um, but if you haven't watched it yet, you need to go out and watch the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Now, um, if you don't subscribe to HBO, there's always opportunities to get HBO for free for a couple of weeks or seven days. And it's well worth your time to get it for seven days. It's five episodes. If, you've, if you only watched one a day, you could get all the episodes in before you have to cancel your subscription and get charged. Um, but it's, it's great uh, television. And I'm going to go over an article that appeared in the New York Post about this that actually uh, was published maybe a week or two ago. And then it just came out behind the paywall or from behind the paywall, I think, yesterday. Um, and it's it's a little op-ed, and it's a it's a nice summary. And I'm going to add to some of the things that are in this particular article. So um, this particular piece, uh, it's written by Carl Markovitz, 
And it's, it's an opinion piece. And again, it's in the New York Post. It was published on June 13th. So now here we are, the 20th. Uh, so it's a week ago. Uh, but this particular uh, title is The Disastrous Hallmarks of a Failed System. Or maybe this is in the Washington Examiner, excuse me. <clears throat> and he begins, there's a telling moment in the new hit HBO miniseries Chernobyl uh, when uh, the wife of one of the main characters is attempting to get into the hospital where her afflicted uh, fireman husband lies dying. The woman at the desk tells her, tells her she cannot let her in because it's far too dangerous. This woman begs and pleads and then realizes what will work. She pulls out rubles and slides them across the desk. Suddenly, all concern for her health and safety evaporates. She's free to go to see her husband and risk her own life, too. It's this accurate view of the, into the corruptions of the Soviet Union, small and large, that makes Chernobyl such a powerful show. Without them, the miniseries is typical Hollywood drama. We have the lone scientist, Legasov, played by Jared Harris, who is no-nonsense in his estimation that Chernobyl is a deadly catastrophe being underplayed by the party men around him. We have the heroic... Party, or I'm sorry, heroic, heroic uh, woman. She's a she's a, a fictional character who will seek out the truth of what happened, no matter what the cost. Now, the series producer and writer is Craig Mazin, and as the uh, author points out, is probably most widely known for his obsessive hatred of his college roommate Ted Cruz. Mazin, a liberal, has compared the Chernobyl disaster to climate change denial, but in trying to tell an accurate story. Mazin can't help but portray the Soviet Union as it actually was, corrupt, backward, and terrifying. And I think that's, that's the, the key to this entire show. And I, let, let me read one more paragraph, then I'll get into some of this stuff. A few days ago, author Stephen King tweeted, It's impossible to watch HBO's Chernobyl without thinking of Donald Trump. Like those in charge of the doomed Russian reactor, he's a man of mediocre intelligence in charge of great power, economic global, that he does not understand. And then Mazin responded, first, I am so pleased that you're watching. Second, I am so pleased that you're smartly watching. Not that there was ever a doubt. So this is just uh, pointless brown-nosing. I mean, oh, look, Larry King likes me. Uh, now, here's the thing. So Mazin, I guess, wants to show that this is somehow an indictment of Donald Trump and American climate denial, climate change denial that somehow the two are related. And I think that's that's the funniest thing about watching this show. I didn't get any of that. But these people are so obsessed with ideology. They're so obsessed with their little box, their little worldview. As Tom Wood says, the 3 by 5 index card of allowable opinion. That's all they're going to get out of it because they are so skewed by their hatred of one particular person, Donald Trump, that they can't get out of their own way to see what the real issue is. In this miniseries, and this particular individual writing this story is a Soviet refugee who came from the Soviet Union, who understands what's really going on here. Now, there are so many parts of this particular miniseries that I found just fascinating. And it's not just an indictment of the Soviet Union. And, and here he says, in the next paragraph, but if the show is meant to be some kind of indictment of Trump or America or really anything but the socialist system of the Soviet Union, then it's a complete failure. It's actually impossible to watch the show, in particular for an immigrant from the Soviet Union such as myself, without some deep well of gratitude 
that I got to grow up here and not in the awful there and not see that one is miles superior to the other. Comparing an elected President Trump to the unelected government of the Soviet Union isn't just foolhardy, it's hilarious. <clears throat> so, I mean, this is, this is true. So one thing, when, first, when you watch this show and you see the city that was built in 1970, Pripyat, which is right near the Chernobyl, which is actually the Vladimir Lenin nuclear reactor, <laughs> it's fitting. Lenin, uh, you know, has a meltdown and destroys his own people, uh, which is the entire, I mean, it's just the, the, it's so funny to even see that. Here you have the Lenin nuclear reactor become the greatest disaster, environmental disaster, in the history of the world. Lenin's political ideology, next to Marx, but I mean, it's Marxist-Leninism, and the way that Marxism was applied, it's often Leninism, is the greatest political disaster in the history of the world. I mean, the, 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 the analogy shouldn't be lost on anyone. But uh, you have this town, Pripyat, which is built in 1970, of course, Chernobyl melts down in 1986, so it's only around for 16 years before it melts down. And if you look at the city itself, you'll see that it's all communist housing. It's all what we would call in the United States public housing. And it's horrible. The hospital, as they go into the hospital, they don't have enough supplies for any type of medical emergency. The women who are getting ready to give birth are in primitive conditions. Horrible. Not even in the United States. I mean, you say, well, it's 1986. No. 1986, women in the United States had much better medical care for when they were giving birth. Not even in the worst hospitals in America do women have to go into the conditions that these people had to go into as far as a good conditions in the Soviet Union. The housing is substandard. Everyone lives in the same type of of public block housing, and it's awful. Yeah, there's some parks down there with some flowers in it, but it's terrible. Who would want to live in that? No one here. I mean, we, we complain. People come, well, public housing is awful. Well, that's what you get with communism. Everybody gets it, not just some people who unfortunately don't have the means or maybe the ability or maybe the desire, whatever the case may be, to get out of it. But the fact is, Many, everybody in the Soviet Union has to live this way, even the most intelligent among them. Even the people that have the greatest ability not to live in that still have to live in it. It's horrible. It's terrible. So this is one thing I'll say about communism. Communism, and, and it's often been compared, you know, people say, well, explain to your students communism. Explain to them how communism is... Uh, the lowest common denominator. So they often use the analogy, and I've used it too, where you say, okay, communism is like when you walk into a classroom, a college classroom, and the professor would say, no matter what you do in this class, you get a C. I don't care if you're the A student. I don't care if you're the F student. Everyone gets a C. Now, for the F student or the D student or even the C student, that's fine. They, they're fine with that. That's public housing. To the A and the B student, which there are far fewer of them, you see, this is the problem. In any particular classroom, you might have, out of 20 students, 
maybe a, an actual A student that can do A work without any issues, you're going to have maybe 10 to 15% of the class. So you're talking about two to three students who are A students. B students, you might have another 10 to 15%. So you're talking about another three students. So out of 20 people, you might have six students that are A students. If you look at a real, I mean, we talk about, you know, there's there's the equal number of A's and F's, equal number of D's and B's. So you're looking at about six students at the top, six students at the bottom, that's 12 students, and eight students in the middle. So if you think about that logically, there are 14 students in that class that would be fine with a C. Six students that wouldn't. So those 14 students can now dictate to the six, and if they rebel against it, well, in the Soviet Union, they're just killed. So what we've done is created an environment where the six achievers are suppressed and the lowest common denominator wins out, and that's the Soviet political system. But it doesn't necessarily work that way either. That's, that's not how it works because some people, as George Orwell pointed out, are more equal than others. Well, how do you do that? This is Orwell's stinging indictment in animal form of communism. Command communism, the Soviet-type system, that is the only system that really works. Because Marxism can't work on its own, human nature denies it. You have to force it. So some people are more equal than others. So how does that work? Well, in that class of 20, you can say, look, everybody gets a C, but some people could get an A, wink, wink, if they do the right things. Whatever those right things are, the professor gets to decide. Maybe you help the professor out. Maybe you do things for them. Maybe you slide the professor a little extra cash. Or you give them some of your rations. Or you do whatever. You get ahead because the professor, which operates as the state, or maybe you become the teacher's pet. Now the teacher's pet gets a little extra. A little extra. They work for the party. So they're going to get... So you could take that F student who's good at manipulation, who's good at being a brown noser, who's so stupid they can't get out of their own way, but that F student can now move in and be the and have the same level as, say, an A student who's an achiever but who's suppressed because they don't want to play the game. They just want to go in and do their work and just get and they just they don't they don't want to be the party man, the party woman, the brown nose or whatever that is. And there is a there is a and so this is how the this is how the communist system actually works. The lowest common denominator can go into power and be a very powerful individual. People that don't know anything. Our party men, they get put in positions of power and they make decisions that are horrible. And there was a scene where the, the fictional scientist, the woman, goes into, uh, is trying to, she figures out, now what happened here in reality, there were dozens of scientists who were figuring this stuff out, but they just put them into, the, the uh, writer put all these people into one character and then had that character work this way because it would be too hard to show all these other people. So she goes in to, I believe it was Kiev where she went into, and she goes to see the leader of this, the mayor of the city and says, look, we've got a real problem. You've got to get people out of here. Or maybe it wasn't Kiev. I can't remember where she was. Uh, it's, it's been a few days since I watched it. But she was in one of these cities close to Chernobyl, but not, not Pripyat. She was in another city. You've got to get people out of here. And the, uh, now this is a nuclear scientist, an intelligent woman. Someone who has achieved, but of course she has all the same stuff that everybody else has. She's achieved. In the United States, this woman would be paid more money. 
she would have uh, a nicer life because she is an achiever, potentially, particularly if she learns how to market herself and do some things. So she's achieved. But she goes into this office and she says something to the effect that uh, we have the lowest common denominator making decisions. And the guy looks at her and says, or she says something about to the effect, you are, I am a nuclear scientist and you are uh, a man who worked in a shoe factory. And yet you're making this decision. He says, yes, I worked in a shoe factory, but I am in charge and you are not. Uh, so, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly how it was said, but that's, that's what the gist of it was. Why? Because this man learned how to game the system. He is the lowest, he, he didn't have the intelligence really to do anything, but yet he became a party man and he ascended to a position he did not deserve. There is no comparison to Donald Trump in that. Donald Trump was successful in business. Now we can say, well, oh, that was smoke and mirrors. He was a, a lot of businesses smoke and mirrors, but he was successful in business. He was successful in show business, if you want to say. Donald Trump was a successful man before he became president of the United States. There's no comparison between bureaucrats, party individuals who ascend to the mayor or a government position as one of the main characters, of course. He says, look, uh, I mean, I'm a party man. I'm a, I'm a career party man, and you better watch your tone. This is actually brought up in the piece I was reading. You better watch your tone. Because the career party men get to make all kinds of decisions that are dangerous because they don't know anything. So you have Legasov, who's a nuclear scientist, saying, we got to do all these things. And he's, I mean, this, there's, there's a threat that he's going to be executed for saying these things early in the series. Because the Soviet Union is denying that anything has actually happened. The, the party men who are also in place of the reactor who are making decisions based on promotion they want to have the office. They want to get a job. So they're going to be dangerous to do it because they know the only way you can have more money, you can have a better life, is to move up through the party and, ha and be recognized by the party. Mikhail Gorbachev, who plays a role in this particular show, says the, our power is the appearance of our power. Well, that's it. The Soviet Union was a hollow shell. Everything around this show. Everything shows that in the Soviet Union. There's an appearance of equality. There's an appearance of power. And that appearance of power is the police state. Everywhere you go, everyone is watched. Everyone's under surveillance. This one particular uh, scientist who's trying to get the scoop and going in, she, she finds this wife of this firefighter in the room with him without any protection. And uh, she pulls her out and says, I'm going to tell the world. And the KGB comes out and says, you're going you're gonna to do what? Who are you going to tell? What are you going to tell them? Even the head of the KGB says, look, everyone's watched. Trust but verify. Everyone is watched here. I'm watched. You're watched. Everyone is watched. This is how we have accountability. That is the surveillance police state. Now, you can say certainly that there's some similarities in the United States. Look, everyone is watching the United States. We're now watched by big, big tech companies. We know that the domestic surveillance is an everyday occurrence. Uh, we know that uh, our emails are scanned, our telephone conversations are scanned. We know that uh, the, the, we have act, people have access, they willingly give it through social media accounts or uh, through uh, home devices. People are willingly giving their private information to big tech companies who are then willingly giving it to the general government. We know this is going on. We know that people are being watched. We have cameras all over the place. Um, this is modern technology. The Soviet Union did it by hand did it by people walking around and watching. There's a scene in the film where Legasov goes to a, a, a bar in Chernobyl in Pripyat, 
And he's having a drink, and there's these two people there, and he says, hey, are you here about the fire? And he says, yeah. And they said, should we worry about anything? He says, nah, don't worry about anything. Come to find out later, these two people are part of the KGB. So they were making sure he wasn't spilling the beans, or he would have been executed, you see. So that is the fear, the everyday fear of being in the Soviet Union. the appearance of power. So you have that element of this show that I find fascinating. That's it. The other thing, of course, is the lowest common denominator situation in the Soviet Union. You can't help but see that this is really, as the author goes into, an indictment of communism, not of any, not environmentalism or Donald Trump. How, how you can even draw any conclusion out of the United States. Now, we know the United, and it points out, well, people were screaming, Flint, Michigan, we, the government covered that up. Uh, the government covers up you know, this disaster. We've had nuclear meltdowns. We had Three Mile Island, whatever it is. We've had these things in the United States. This is true. We had them in the United States. But as he points out, no one was executed for pointing it out. No one went to jail for pointing out Flint, Michigan's problems. You can go out on the internet and talk about it all day long. In the Soviet Union, you could not do that. It was secrecy. They all figured this out. The fact that the nuclear reactor was flawed from the beginning, the safety feature was already flawed. The man who wrote that was essentially demoted, exiled. He couldn't. He, he, he wrote an article about it, and it was classified. Why? Because the appearance of power is their power. The appearance of safety is their safety, even if it's not really safe. At the end, he talks about, you know, in the, in the West, yes, uh, you know, we have these reactors, um, and they were built on the cheap. We don't have containment. We don't have all the things the West has in their nuclear reactors because we didn't want to spend the money, because we didn't have the money. The resources were not there to go and do this properly, in other words. In the West, we have nuclear reactors, but generally, they are better built and safer, now, nothing is 100% safe, but they're safer. France has nuclear reactors all over the place, and, and, and they have containment buildings and other things that the Soviet reactor did not have. And, of course, if one of these things were to happen in the United States, you would have information immediately about how to fix it and, and what we should do here. The Soviet Union delay was tremendous. So people are out watching this thing blow up on the bridge, like, oh, yeah, look at that. And, of course, all those people, according to... Rumors, all of them died because they're getting highly, you know, getting dosed with radiation. Of course, all the people in the plant, they're all goners, or a lot of them, the firefighters, all those people. Not all of them died, but of course, right away, but a lot of them got very, very sick. So this is the situation that we have in, in comparing the two. There's no comparison, as this particular article points out. There's no comparison whatsoever The author continues, Yes, yet to say that the communist system in the Soviet Union was horrific does not excuse any ex excesses or missteps by the American government. The people screaming Flint are right that an American city having poisoned water is a travesty, but that they know about it and that they get to scream about it in public without anyone arresting or simply killing them for it is a rather crucial difference between the systems. If Chernobyl is supposed to open our eyes about climate change, all it has done is showcase just how different the American way is from the Soviets. Climate scientists take out full-page ads in our nation's newspapers, urging action. Hollywood celebrities preach about it in interviews and in award shows. No one is killed for it. No one is jailed for it. And only people who have always known this kind of freedom can even compare the two. Only those, such as 
Mazin or King, who have always been confident in their security, can compare the state failings of Chernobyl to Trump. The miners have become the heroes of the show because their leader speaks his mind and isn't afraid to stand up to leadership. In America, we all get to be the miners. This is true. It's life or death at Chernobyl, but the government has other priorities. In the fourth episode, a robot arrives from Germany to help clear out radioactive graphite off the plant roof. The robot malfunctions immediately. The Soviet Union gave Germany the propaganda number about the true severity of the radiation. Unaware Germany, and this is not just, this is West Germany, sent a robot that couldn't withstand the true amount. The other thing that I found interesting about this show, there was a couple of times the Americans were brought up, and in one particular case it was this. The Soviets recognize that they lack technology and infrastructure and the know-how to do some of these things. Why? Because of the state communist system and the oppressive system. The Americans were innovative. The Americans might have had equipment that could have done this. But, and that's because the Soviet Union was lagging behind. The appearance of power was their power, but not because they actually had any real power. None of that was true. And so uh, Markovitz concludes, stupidity, ineptitude, and greed, these aren't traits exclusive to the government of the Soviet Union, but so much of the rest is. The pretense, the bullying, the secrecy, the spying, and the deception are all hallmarks of its failed system. Chernobyl brings all that home, whether that was the writer's intention or not. And I think, I think every young person in America that holds up a Bernie sign, a hammer and a sickle, whatever it is, should have to watch Chernobyl because it is... I mean, they're going to look at it and say, well, that's Donald Trump right there. Gorbachev is Donald How you can even draw those conclusions is beyond me. We have a massive bureaucracy in the United States. We have an elected system in the United States, whether you like that elected system or not, but we do have it. Uh, the massive bureaucracy does create problems, as we're seeing with the deep state and some other things. But the fact is, there, there isn't any comparison between the two. And anyone that lived in the Soviet Union, anyone that had the... the, the the clear thinking to look at this from, from a perspective of this is horrible. I mean, look at how these people lived. It's poverty, essentially. We would call what these people lived in poverty. There's no other way to describe it. It would be poverty. And the best don't get any benefit to being the best. They live in the same garbage flats with the same stuff. So why even achieve anything more? Why would you come up with technology that could do something to save anyone when all you're going to get is the same flat as everybody else? When the shoemaker can go be the mayor, uh, and I mean, we could say, well, that's great. I mean, we, we don't have any aristocracy here. That's fantastic. But these people do become an aristocracy, an artificial aristocracy, because they simply know how to game the system. You come in as the F student saying, I'm going to give you a few extra bucks, or I'm going to do something for you, whatever it is, to be that A student, where everyone else is making a C. That's the issue. That's where communism is a failed system. That's where communism doesn't work at all. And we know it. We know communism doesn't work. We know the system doesn't work. We have clear examples that it doesn't work. And yet here we are running around in America in 2019 and you've got Bernie Sanders or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or take your pick of a socialist um, running around saying this is what we need. All you got to do is watch Chernobyl and know that's not really what we need. One of the other things I found interesting, they were powering down the plant. And they said you can't do it because at the end of the month we got to show production because, again, it's the appearance 
of prosperity and production that makes the Soviet Union work. So they're going to have the fa- they're going to have the the uh, factories overproducing at that point, so that there's something that they're doing, whether they need these things or not, and whether they need the junk that they're producing or not. And when I say junk, I'm not just talking about uh, things like you know garden gnomes. They're producing materials that people probably need, but they're junk. This is why these individuals wanted American blue jeans, for example, or they wanted American goods because they were better constructed and manufactured. They didn't want the junk. I mean, think about the Yugo, right? I remember back in the 80s, the Yugoslavians uh, began uh, exporting Yugos, uh, their little communist car into America. The thing was junk. It broke down all the time. It was horrible. No one wanted that piece of garbage. But yet it was, oh, here we go. This is, this is, so, this is communist technology coming over. This is how we're going to, this is where we're going to show these people how good of material we have. It's ridiculous. It's junk. But, but, that is the Soviet system. And so, I think that watching this particular series, five episodes, it'll be about five hours of your life. It's really, it's, it's, it's eye-opening if you've never really seen in the Soviet Union. I remember as a kid, I mean, I was fascinated by this stuff. I was fascinated by uh, the Soviet Union, the Communist Revolution. We have to remember that Lenin's Red Terror produced this. I mean, look, the police state came out of the Cheka which was the Red Terror during the, during the Russian uh, Civil War, following the Russian Revolution. So that's nothing changed after that. But this was all fascinating to me. And of course, I remember when Chernobyl, Chernobyl disaster happened, and no one really knew all the information, and it was, it was held back, and now we, we know more about it, but still not everybody knows. The official death count is still only 31 people. I mean, ridiculous. There's estimates as many as 200,000 people were killed, ultimately because of that reactor meltdown. If you want an indictment of communism, watch Chernobyl. It's it is powerful. It is it is depressing in some ways. It is it is uh, you know when when you watch this show, you can't get any other reaction I think to it but communism, command communism, the Soviet model, which is really the only model that's ever that would ever work, quote unquote work, uh, is a horrible system. And this is what some of the people, this is what Bernie Sanders and, and openly said back in the 80s. The communist system works, Soviet Union works, all this works. This is what Sanders was running around saying back in the 1980s. He, he has not changed who he is, he just hides some of these things now. But this is exactly what Sanders or Cortez or some of these people want. We should be fighting like crazy to keep that out of the United States. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I will see you next time. <laughs>